Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkan, and Dennis Dick with you this morning. The earnings parade continues. I don't know how many reports there are just between this morning and last night, but there are a lot of them. We're going to talk about the weakness in stock companies that are reporting great earnings. Uh, the weakness continued yesterday in tech. We'll talk about that. Um, we will talk about the, the divorce trade, apparently. That's the thing I learned yesterday slash this morning. Uh, Dennis can, can enlighten us about that. We'll take questions from our chat. Two guests on the radar today. Nick Shaheen will join us at 8 to 35. And then at 9, I'll be joined by Jeremy Caprone. He is a director of research at Robo Global. They've got a number of, uh, I guess you can call them growth tech uh, indexes and ETFs. We're going to talk about automation, robotics, healthcare tech. That'll be with Jeremy at nine. In the meantime, everyone, go ahead and smash that like button, please. And thank you. We appreciate that. Likes make my day better. Okay, Joel, how are we doing this morning? Let's bring up your charts. We did drop a few minutes ago there. Are we still down? Yeah, we got some action, Jackson. I, I feel like... Uh... I don't know. I feel some volatility coming up. Maybe our show will finally get popular again if this market starts going in the tank to have some volatility. Uh, it was weakness yesterday. We talked about that on the uh, At The Close show. Tried to climb in the 4200 handle. No can do. Uh, turned around. Was weak the last 15, 20 minutes. Uh, Pre-market low, 4162, folks. And, man. We're sitting on some major support here, and this we had four lows in this area. Uh, that's going to make me bearish. Uh, breaking up, blow, breaking below uh, this forty-one sixty and closing below. I'm going to call a top if we do that today. Uh, crude, that's up a buck oh one at sixty-five fifty. That's a good day for crude. Uh, gold repelling off eighteen hundred. Just can't get through there. Down eight fifty at seventeen eighty-three twenty. And silver, that's down about nine cents at uh, twenty-six sixty-seven. And Bitcoin just having problems at sixty thousand. We're down one thousand four hundred fifty dollars at fifty six thousand three hundred and fourteen. Uh, before we go to the divorce trade, um, I did get a question, and I want to try and address these at the top of the show. And it said, "I'm going to read it. It's uh, not necessarily a term, but when you and Dennis talk about buyers are going in and sellers are going in at a certain level, is there?" 
you know, what do you see there? How do you determine that? Is it based on candle price levels or something else? I'll give my answer and then I'm triple D will want to add. Um, you can tell by the charts uh, a lot. And on the daily charts, if I see two, three, four highs in the same area, that's how I look at it. You can also look at uh, open book for New York stocks. And then the other more tricky way, uh, which Dennis has a better eye for, is when there's iceberg orders out there. And an iceberg order is they just have 100 shares in, uh, at Apple at 132, example, and a person buys 500 and 100 is offered. Then a person buys 2,000 and there's 100 offered. And then a person buys 5,000 and there's 100 offered. So that's for intraday trading. Like I said, Dennis keeps an eye on that more. But the charts tell you and the New York open book tells you also. Dennis, you want to add anything no, to you, that? You did it perfectly. That was perfect. I can't even add anything. Yeah, wow. You complimented me. Yeah, there I'm you go. Com- I never give you compliments. I need, I need a nice tissue. I, today. I, need a I must tissue. be having an okay day because I'm, I'm giving compliments out. All right. Let's go. We got to start with the divorce trade. I mean, it's kind of. <laughs> the divorce I, trade. Spencer made it's not it not working that well. No, no. But go ahead, Spencer. Give us the news. Apparently, hold on. I was told my mic was too loud, so I just turned it way down. So let me know if that sounds better, everyone. Um, no, the news was that Bill and Melinda Gates are getting divorced, which we all we all know by now. We all heard that headline yesterday. But apparently, Dennis, there's a trade to make there. <laughs> I just thought if they're getting divorced, they're going to be selling stock to raise money for the divorce. <laughs> they both own a lot of Microsoft shares still. I know they own a lot of other stuff, but I was like, nah, can't be good for Microsoft. There could be potential sales coming in. So... Obviously, we know insiders sell for a lot of reasons. Divorce is a, one of those reasons. So, um, so yeah. So there, I, I thought there was a trade there. I actually went shorted on the headline. I've covered most of it now. It's down significantly, but this is market effects too. I don't think it's like whoa, yeah, I hit Microsoft. I just thought, ah, it's uh, you know, something. Not good news. That. Yeah, it's not good news. And it actually, if you look at the initial headline, I was involved in that. It, it got hit on the initial headline. So. I don't, yeah, I don't think it can be construed as good news. And obviously, you know, you feel bad for them. They were together for a long time. But I mean, as a market, as, as, a, as a trader, I'm just looking at it thinking, okay, they're probably gonna have to sell some stock. So if the market thinks that too, it could go down. And the market did think it a few minutes later, it did go down. Now it's kind of down just as much as the Q's. So you can say, oh, but you know, from a relative speaking on the Q's being down just as much as Microsoft, there really wasn't much of an edge here. How old is Billy? I'm sure, oh man, I'm sure he's in his 60s. He's yeah. in his 60s, because, I think early 60s because they said he's been married for uh 27 years. And yeah. um, I know I'm not in my 60s, and I mentioned this a thousand times before, but Lisa and I met 37 years ago today. That's when we met, was 37 years ago today. So, uh, it's a long time. I, the Microsoft <laughs> chart doesn't look good at all. Losing this 250 is not good at all. This didn't even try to fill the gap off the earnings. And you're wide open here. I mean, you got a pair of lows. Yeah, you can say, wow, there's a double bottom here. Uh, where's that at? I'll give you that levels because that will be your next support level. You got a pair of lows. Let's call it 246.50, right? Uh, no, a little bit higher than that. 246.60. It's called 247. That's your net stopping point. But, man, I mean, this is wide open between 235 and 250. I don't want to get caught up in that. So that's what I'm looking at for Mr. Soft. All of the big cap, whether they report oh, yeah. good earnings or not, 
have all now turned ugly. Poor I mean, Amazon. The only one still holding up pretty well is Facebook, and it's leaking too. But Amazon, great report, big buyback, horrible candle yesterday, down again, is now trading below where it was before it reported the blowout earnings. Apple, same story, blowout earnings. We know it came down immediately. Microsoft has never, you know, it tried to bounce a little hit. bit there yesterday, but we know it got hit on the good earnings. So this market is just unforgiving right now from an earnings perspective. It has not been a good earnings season, really, the reaction to the earnings. Um, where you saw last week, very good reports, and the market really didn't find a reason to, um, you know, to, to buy those stocks. They found a reason to sell those stocks still. Uh, so, again, this market has me nervous, but the rotation continues to keep SPY up. I mean, SPY had an okay day yesterday, despite a lot of tech really getting hit. Growth tech got hammered again. We've been talking about that. They all got hammered. All the smaller growth names like your Fubos and your Space, not maybe not Fubo, but Space got hit right down to that $20 level, the key oh. $20 level. I mean, you just keep thinking, okay, well, these things are bottom now, and then they start to leak again. So, again, I showed last week, you know, that the death by a thousand cuts. I do believe we're in that in a lot of the growth names. I do believe the path of least resistance is lower for a lot of names. Stocks like Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, there's value there, though. I own all those. I own all the mega caps. There is some value there. But, again, they're still stretched. I mean, everything, what we were saying, you know, two days ago, or Joel, or maybe it was yesterday, is everything is overvalued. Everything turned. Real estate. Stocks. You know, crypto, NFTs, we're just throwing money at nothingness. I mean, and then you've got cash, which is problematic, too, because you're losing to massive inflation, which we're seeing right now. So it's trouble right now. Like, you know, where do you put money? I kind of just diverse because I don't know. You know, Ethereum is working well for me, but how long does that work well before that starts to roll over, too? So, again, SPY has been the best place to be because the rotation keeps, keeps us up. And yesterday... What started bringing us up? The new cores. You know, the, the rails were starting to show some life there again. You know, the industrials. We're seeing the transports show some life again. Where a tech start, starts to show weakness, rotation keeps us up. This morning, you got oil. Oil stocks trading higher. You got some of the financials trading higher. U.S. steel, which I did end up buying U.S. steel on the dip. I couldn't help myself. I was like, I think steel, I think we're still going into, uh, pun not intended there, I think we're still going to, you know, need more uh, um, for, for building. Um, so new core I've had. U.S. still got hit on the earnings. I was like, you know what, I'm going to buy it. I ended up buying around $22. It's 25 a couple days later. So that's been where the money is rotated to. Does the money start eventually rotating out of everything? I don't know. We haven't seen that happen yet. It doesn't know where to go. So that's but, why it doesn't rotate out of stocks because it has no other. Yeah, home I don't trade. know about it. It has know. no other home. No, I, I agree. The rotation can keep us going and going and going. I think one thing kind of lingering that we haven't paid a lot of attention to, but you talk about is, you know, how are we going to pay for this infrastructure? Is it going to be higher taxes? Higher taxes are not going to be good for the individuals. It's not going to be good uh, for the corporations. So I think something that that's an overhang. Uh, we haven't heard much about the uh, financial transaction tax at all, but um, just little things. And I, just the way we're reacting to earnings here uh, d- just doesn't give me a good feeling here for the month of May. I, I, I don't I'm not I'm not bearish yet, but I'm definitely neutral and I'm not I'm not super bull. I'm kind of neutral, blah, 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 too. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I can't get bearish because by the rotation just keeps us up. 
I'm bearish all those growth names. So those small names that are trading 50, 60, 70 times sales. I mean, um, and, and, you know, we've talked about these names a lot. Like, look at DoorDash. I've sa- I said last week, I said, I think this is a rally to sell. You know, I said it in DoorDash. I said it in a lot of stocks. Now you got DoorDash down 25 points and going to be knocking probably eventually on that 120. Again, you got to come and say, though, okay, we just sold off 25 points. And people are like, oh, I sold it at 139. Now it's 150. What happened? You know, it's the same thing Tesla. People reach out to me. What happened with that candle two days ago? I don't know. We're still in a chop and slop market. You're buying dips and you're selling rips. If you're coming in and selling your stock on a day that's getting down 50 bucks, you're doing it backwards. You're in a contrarian market. You guys, you know, if anybody who started trading last year does not know what that is because we haven't had it. You're in a contrarian market. We're fading the moves is working on everything. The fade trade is back. And if you're, you know, if Tesla sells off 30 and you're like, okay, well, it's going down now. How about that? No, going right back down. Going right back it. down. It went right back yeah, down. Because, yeah, because it, it did go right back down. It was another selling opportunity. This market just gives you opportunities and gives you opportunities. But you know what? Now you're getting back down to that low, 666. So am I selling it here now as a trade? No, I think you got to wait till it gets a bounce. But Again, long term, it's not going to my account. I still think Tesla could be a four hundred dollars stock when we look at it. If if it starts to get really ugly, we don't know anything can happen. Tesla's a darling. If EV starts to get hot again, Tesla will lead the charge. So it's a hard one to pick on. But I mean, any of those other EV plays have all just started rolling over again. So you know, Neo's sitting there. They're all sitting there. Some are trying to hold some support, but XPEV started breaking down through thirty, twenty-eight and a half. I think these things could go a hell of a lot lower. People think, oh, well, it was 50. It's down to 28. Where can it go? Things could go to five bucks, you know, and then you lose. And that's what people don't realize, too. When a stock loses 90% of its value, the person that bought it is 50 is almost as dumb as the person that bought it at 30. Because if the stock goes to two or three, you just lost basically all your money. So you've got to be careful and just thinking, well, where this can the stock go? It's got to bounce back. They don't have to do anything. Again, you know, we're talking bearish on a, on a day that we're down. So I'm not looking. Right. I'm not looking today. Well, what can I sell? I'm not looking like that in my long term portfolio. Really, uh, well, I I'm mean, looking. I'm looking. Well, if you're long, long term, maybe you are. But you the go. way I do it in my long term portfolio, I still try to time it. I sell on the up days and I buy on the down days. If I want to be buying stocks, I look at what's down. If I want, like U.S. Steel was down in the earnings, I was like, I don't think that story's over. I don't think the building construction story is over. You know, yeah, maybe commercial is not doing as well, but re, re, you know, residential is just kicking ass and taking names. So I don't think that story is over. So yesterday uh, or, t- or two days ago on the earnings dip, I was like, I'm going to nibble in there. So I bought some. But, you know, buying the dip on a stock that I want to own, not just randomly buying the dip on anything. But if you're loaded up with growth stocks, you got to use those rallies to lighten up, I believe. That's just my, that's what I think. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. All right. Is this uh, is this X like long term a swing or how you looking at it? But Rosie making a good point. So I don't know what Joel and Dennis are talking about. Um, and and we'll come back to the X. All of my stocks are down forty two percent, so they're overvalued. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that some of these stocks had no business being where they were. So you can't judge a stock on where it was and say, oh, now it's cheap. You have to look at what is it still trading? What is the valuation? We did this exercise with NEO. So you could say, okay, well, NEO was 65. Now it's 40. Oh, it's cheap. But then you go and look, and it's trading with a market cap as much as General Motors. 
A company that's been in business for 100 years, a company that's going to be a leader in EV Oh, but for China's sure. going to support them. China's going to support them. Well, they didn't support luck and coffee. So, <laughs> I, I mean, we don't have <laughs> to it. It's a joke, but it, no. they are making cars. So, this is a viable business. But does it have, does it have, years. should it have a market cap of 60 billion dollars? No. no. It shouldn't have been 80 billion. Should it be 60? No. Maybe the market cap, the fair market cap on that is more like 10. 10. 10 oh, billion. Jinx. So if yeah. you look at that, it did jinx. So if you look down to that, that takes the stock down to about six bucks, seven bucks. For what? That could happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen because this market could just go crazy. Maybe Neo is going to turn around. Maybe Neo is going to be the next Tesla. Maybe Neo is going to be the second best, you know, production. But when you look at the market caps and you say Neo at sixty billion, then you go to Honda Motor Company. And a lot of Hondas on the road. A lot of Hondas on the road. Let's go check out the the market cap of Honda HMC. It'll be higher, but not. No, it's not. 51 billion. So Neo is trading with a market cap more than Honda. That is stupid. In this market where valuation is starting to matter, that, in my opinion, is craziness. So would I buy Neo on this dip? Absolutely. I never buy not. Neo. I never will buy it. Yeah, but but everybody thinks it's cheap because it came from 65 to 39. It shouldn't have been at 65. It shouldn't have been at 39. It probably should have been a hell of a lot lower. Now, again, story might get hot again. If story starts to get hot, th- things can change. But right now, this market is moving to low P. We've been talking about it for a month, two months. You've you got to identify the rotations and be positioning yourself. I was loaded up with all these names. I had Neo Long. I had Space Long. I started selling those names a month ago, a little bit late, but I started selling all those names when I realized this market is moving to lower PE stocks. This market is starting to care about valuation. Neo, which is going, you know, does it even make money? Does Neo make money? I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. No. So we're back to like where we were in March 2000, where companies that don't make money are guilty until proven innocent. I think you sell rallies in Neo. So just my opinion. This is just my opinion. You talked about the rotation into lower PE, and you've already named a bunch of those things. But also, like you, like we didn't mention retail, like XRT. Had a nice day yesterday. Yeah. Well, like, there's a lot of the, some of those retailers were really beat up. Now, again, <sighs> but do I want to hide in this? I mean, no, I don't know. Don't some out. of these low PE names aren't that low anymore. It's such a tough market. So you know, people want to know what to buy. What do I buy? What do I buy? Sometimes it's just best maybe you don't buy. You just trade. I buy and sell stocks every day, but I'm not adding much to my long-term portfolio. I added U.S. Steel. I'm not adding much. You know, I'm nibbling in on a few things here or there. I sometimes buy some indexes. You know, I bought some Ethereum a couple of weeks ago because I like the NFT story. But there's, I'm sitting with a, a lot of cash, which is like, you know, losing to inflation, but at least it's not losing. So... I, I don't know, like the long-term portfolio. It's really tough. It's a tough investing market right now. It is a tough investing market. All right, let's go to let's go some earnings stocks. As the S and P's continue to crater here, uh, we are now taking out the low from last week. No bids in sight here. Continue to fall. We're getting into a real open area here, folks. So uh, be careful. Buy dippers will come in on the open. It's just uh, how low do we go first? Go ahead, Spence. Uh, let me start with Smile Direct, which I don't believe was on the schedule to report. I think they pre-reported because they also disclosed a cyber security incident that they said uh, was all good now. 
Uh, this is from back in, in mid-April. But while they were at it, they, they reported for the first quarter their EPS was lower than estimates. Their sales was uh, higher than estimates, but not by a lot. And they gave some. I'm sorry, that that was their Q1 EPS the, uh, guidance that was lower than estimates. Their guidance was lower than estimates. Their uh, sales guidance was higher than estimates, and Q2 was more or less in line. Plus a cybersecurity incident from from mid mid April. Um, I'll just make a just um, a long term observation on this, and then we you know, we can drill down, taking out ten, which was support. But basically, since the IPO. This stock has told you to stay away, right? IPO, month high, all-time high, never even come within six bucks of it. Yeah, it was a bargain back in March and April, and it got a little pop. But to me, I look at the stock and be like, this is an IPO that hit its high early? I don't I don't know when it's ever going back. So uh, getting hit near the – yeah, I mean, it's – it's never shown. I uh, maybe draw a trend line here off that high and that high, and if it bust above, bust yeah. above there. But like this stock is t- this stock chart is telling you that this is not a good long term investment. Stocks in a clear downtrend, which a lot of the growth names are the the lower P's or the the higher P, the higher valuation, um, the higher growth names are all in downtrends. That hasn't changed, even despite the rally that we had a week ago. And you can see the nice smile direct rally. That, that was what, you know, when I was pointing it out, and I was pointing it out with those tweets, you know, I was showing the cues. It's like, this, are we here? Is this the rally to sell in these names? And it's starting to look like three days later only that maybe it was. Now, you do a support down here at nine. Is there a bounce trade maybe at these two lows, 965? Maybe, but you're, 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 you're trying to catch the falling knife here again. And it's a difficult trade to to to, to trade. It's always been difficult. Oh, to look how fa- look at what I did there, Dennis. Look what <laughs> you I drew did. an X. <laughs> Does that no? Mean- it's a triangle. <laughs> I, that, that mark- <laughs> I like the X. I don't no, know. it's like a triangle. Trade. Look how all right. Perfect so you go above is. or below it. And now you're busting down. I mean, you can't get bullish until you break above that blue line. And it's almost time to start getting really bearish. You do have two monthly lows back here. Maybe you got some work to do under nine bucks. I see two monthly lows, not daily lows, monthly lows. Let's call it eight seventy-five. But there it is. That's a that's a nice try. Or is that a rising wedge? That's a rising wedge, isn't it? They're trying to rise. I mean, you're the technical analyst. I don't know. the spot. I think I did great. X do on not that. trade. Who Chats likes that in the chat? Say you, you like my chat's all over the X. All right. Two. Little Bill said nice okay. X. Look at that. Little Bill. Thank you, Little Bill. So, from a growth stock that, that we hate, maybe just some lower PE names that, that we might like, like Dow, like DuPont. Uh, I almost said Dow DuPont. Uh, DuPont, which is DD, had earnings this morning and they're up. And that's a lower PE name. Yeah, see what it does on earnings. 75, critical support. Yeah, this is the kind of name that the market could buy. It's not that gr- It's not reacting uh, well to the report, though. I would say, you know, this is obviously nice. So it's held support. 75, bulls are bulls are fully in control as long as above 75. So if you want to take a flyer, you got to stop yourself up below 75. I don't love the way it's responding so far, but it's early. So it might start to respond better. I'm just looking at the uh, daily candles corresponding with the monthly candles. And, I mean, let's get up to 80. Let's get over 79, you know, 79, 79 and a half. If you can get there, we're still a couple bucks away. 
and you bust out, you go up and test the 82. But I think the longer you take to clear out the paper around 79 and a half, 80, I think the more chance of this thing rolling over. It's tried a few times, but just the can't bust on through to the other side. S&Ps, again, we are on, we song? are continuing to make, uh, yes, it is. Do you know who it's by? No. Come on. I know Spencer knows. No, break on through to the other side. Break on through uh, to the other side. I, I don't know. I know, it, I know it, but I don't know it. So. Oh, come on. <laughs> what is that millennial show? Andrew Garvey knew it. I'm sorry. Right, it's the doors. Oh, it's One the of the doors. greatest groups of all time. Yeah, makes sense. The doors. Break on through the door. I said I know this, it, but I don't this know. This is it. the end. This That's is- uh, <laughs> Wait, can, All right. can I actually tell you guys? Uh, Just the end, my friend. You can tell me anything you want. I'm to go on a quick tangent. Yeah. You guys were both in my dream last night. Oh, my goodness. I'm scared. Yeah. No, the dream was that we didn't do a, a, a stock market show. We did like a hockey like post-game show. And then, that would be fun. And then, and then Joel, <laughs> Joel was like, he was like, all right, today's my last show. And I was like, what? And then Dennis texted me. He's like, oh, yeah, if Joel's out, I'm out. I was like, what? And so then I had to do this hockey show by myself. It's freaking horrible. That was my talk De- Connor McDavid highlights for an hour. That was my best night. Dennis now, is 91 uh, points in 50 games. The guy's a menace. I, I, sorry for the tangent, but another leg down here. Dennis is definitely um, the Don Cherry lookalike. <laughs> sure. sure. Okay. You just can't say that, you people thing. Uh, you got to <laughs> get fired for that. There's no you oh, people going. Man, what is going on? Dennis, you see the selling balances out there? What are you yeah. doing to this market? That's a new low with the sell. No, you know what? There's actually some the balances aren't aren't showing this. There's actually a few buy imbalances kicking around here. So but the market's leaking. I mean, we're we're in this market. You're buying dips and you're selling rips. Yeah, All right. Be careful on a dip. So, yeah, well, selling the you gotta be selective. I'm saying value names. I'm buying value stocks on dips. That's the way, you know, US Steel, I feel like right now it's a cyclical, but right now it's deemed more of a value stock. I'm not looking, you know, at these high growth names on the dips. And, you know, obviously even some of the you know, Apples and Amazons, which aren't even way overvalued, but they're slightly overvalued to where they usually are. They've been getting hit too. So I don't know. Tech's out of favor right now. There's no doubt about it. Tech you know, is out of favor. I, I'm glad Lisa, and small cap. I'm glad Lisa Lisa has a day off tomorrow because I can maybe talk a little market sense to her and uh we can <laughs> try, still try to sell these stocks. The Pelotons <laughs> and Joel's in all these high multiples. I'm not in all these Zoom. high multiples. This Zoom's coming at this three hundred. It's better hold three hundred. Peloton, same thing. It better hold that May March low of ninety four, Joel, and it looks like it wants to challenge it. it. What a gift, up. man! This April rally from one hundred to one twenty when Kathy was loading up. What a gift! What a gift to sell. I just yeah. got to think Peloton. I think the path of least resistance is lower. Sorry, I maybe it's going to be a value stock eventually. It's a stock you could get interested oh, somewhere, man. but. 170 down to 95. It's safe to say that the Peloton story has cooled off substantially. This is the only one where I said, let's pick a level. Let's say if it takes out a level, we're getting, you know, we're going to get out and reconsider. That level was 130. And it went, it cut right through it. I tried to talk to her. And then, and then of course, it rallies back to 120. And she gave me the business on it. But whatever. 
Whatever. All right, chat wants to talk about Corsair, CRSR, so let's go there because they had an earnings beat and they raised their guidance this morning, uh, and the stock is up. I, I own this. I've owned this because I feel like this is a value. Actually, this is a, a sneaky value stock. They yes. make some money, man. Like, what did they make this quarter? Uh, they made $0.58 cents per share on a $0.33 cent estimate. Overall mm. overall revenue, $5.29 million versus four forty nine. Sleepy. It's a sneaky value stock, trading with a P of like 28. Yeah. So, and it's got some growth to it too. This is a Mitch name. I've liked the name. I'm in from 40. So I'm down in this. And I was, I, I held this one. Uh, I sold a lot of my tech names, even some of them at losses um, <gasps> in, my, in my swing portfolio. But I held this one because I feel like this is still, I feel like gaming is not going away. And I feel like this is a story that could eventually get hot again, and it's not a ridiculous valuation. With that being said, the resistance is so clear, Harlan Pyen style, 35. It's got to get above 35. So I wouldn't be coming in and buying it here at 35 even until we can get above and and break out. But I said I own this. I'm planning on holding this one. Um, You got to hold some, you know, growth names, and I feel like this (laughs) is growth at a reasonable price. You can't just liquidate everything. So... I, I'm holding. I held on to Corsair. I made a decision when this thing was like 37 and breaking down. I was like, okay, this could get ugly. And obviously, I didn't think it was going all the way to 28, or I would have sold it and tried to rebuy it. But you know, you never know everything. There's no crystal balls. But 35 bucks is a key level for that. Can it get over it today and hold it? It's an ugly tape. So the stock's performing well so far on a very ugly tape today. I hope the tape can actually, you know, not impact the, the stock price because I think if this was an update. I think Corsair would have been up a lot more. Uh, hold, you know, we're, we traded up to 35 and a half and you see this resistance here. I put it with these lines. Let's see what this high is here. If, if this is really the, the go-to stock that you want it to be, it's not going to, not only going to take out 3527 today, it's going to take out 3586 as well. Those are the two highs in the 35 handle that you have to contend with. Um, this whole like gaming gambling thing, I mean, I just think people are losing a lot of money, and they keep coming up with well, these promotions. I think, oh, you know, you can thousand dollars and that and everything. I mean, I don't. You've people given this keep... argument, Joel. It just doesn't hold water that ga- that gambling is eventually going to go away because everybody loses all their money. Wait, I want to go away. I want to be clear that Corsair is not is not a game. Yeah, Corsair is video gaming. Yeah, it's video games. So okay, and I'm bullish. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, uh, okay. What about Avis Budget here? Because th- this company just reported earnings. They lost. They're not profitable for the fourth quarter in the last five. Uh, it's been on a ridiculous run. Let's take a look at Car. I'll, g- I'll give you the numbers here. Uh, they were out this uh, after the close yesterday. Q1 EPS. They lost forty six cents per share versus a two dollar and forty four cent loss estimate. Oh. Sales they actually, you know, had one point three billion in sales, which is well above the estimate there. But uh, no guidance provided. Not a surprise. I don't know. This thing's not in such. There's a, a huge bubble in this stock. Yeah. I mean, I know we think at every, you know, we can't rent a car. We're all going back on this reopening trade. We're all going to do go fly places and rent cars. Uber and Lyft were eating their lunch before, and they're continuing at their lunch. What a gift at $89, even $85. I feel like when we look back at car a couple of years from now, it's not going to be here. But anyways, I mean, the market doesn't seem to care. It's all about the reopening stocks, and this one's a reopening play. Um, I don't understand how the stock can be at all-time highs. It's, it's, it's 
that's crazy to me. Ah, uh, boy, we talked about this one in the At the Close show, and it, it just was telling you there's a seller there, uh, right around um, right around ninety bucks, just under ninety. Had those daily highs. 89.70, Then yesterday they let it get over 90 and then they sent that order to the floor. You know, sell me 2 million down. Well, not 2 million because it doesn't trade that much, but, you know, sell me a couple hundred G's down to below 90. That busted it. Caught all the people that thought it was breaking out over 90. Uh, I'd use yesterday's low. Like if you're a long term holder in this, Let's see if it comes up and fills the gap. If it fills the gap, I think that'd be uh, your first area of resistance. I don't think you're going to see the close of 89.01 and just too many green candles in a row. We're going to have, a, I, I think, well, we already do have a, a thick red candle. Then you're going to have one today and then maybe a couple more. I don't know how low it could go, but still, if you're whacking this thing at 86 bucks, you're four bucks off the old time high. One hell of a move. Why? Why worry? Why fret it? You know, it it may have turned on on this report. Look it at- may have, but it's still in favor too. So just as much as I dogged and I said I don't understand what's doing up here, you cannot argue with the trend. The trend trend is still sure. up. You're probably going to find buyers down in the low 80s because this is a stock that everybody thinks the money is going to rotate into, and you know, and it might. So I'm unless I'm, that I, I guy know. from uh, unless that guy from Archigos or whatever has it, then it's not going to be well, uh, the Viacom and all of them. Yeah, you know, you've tried to like they've tried to rally and they just can't. So I mean, even though he's out, I mean, all those stocks that he owned continue to leak really. So this is a again, it's just a tough market. If you're struggling in April, you're with a lot of other traders and you're with a lot of other investors. If you're a long only trader despite the spy making new highs and you wonder what you're doing wrong, it has not, it was not an easy month. It was not an easy month for trading. There was a lot of chop and slop. Uh, I'll put it in perspective. I made on my day trading and overnight trading, I made half of what I did in March. It was one of my worst months in over a year, April. I still made some money. I made some good money. I don't even know if I had a down day, but it was making a lot less money. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna have a good main because I think the vowels coming back. I think I'm going long the triple D uh, make calls. I do here. better when the market's going straight down or straight up. I don't. I don't do the chop. It's it's hard. I mean, I say I'm fade trades on. You're buying rips or buying dips and selling rips, but it's hard. Um, you know, and I was doing really well in my swing trades. I'm not even doing any swing trades right now. Like people keep saying, what are you buying long? What are you buying? I'm just day trading and overnight trading because there's just not a lot of setups, not a lot of sexy setups. To like come in and say, oh yeah, this looks good. What about on the short side? What about on the short side? Yeah, but it's been again, it's been difficult because you think, okay, we're going down, we're chopping around, so it's like, okay, well, we get short this thing, and it starts going away, and then it comes right back. The buy the dippers come right back. You know, I I try, I keep trying swing trades. I keep getting stopped out on stuff. Really, every time I try to put on a swing trade, I get stopped out on it. If you're using stops, it's been a tough market. You get stopped on everything, so it's a tricky market to trade right now. All right, let's bring on our guest. First guest of the day, Nick Shaheen, author of Create Income with Option Spreads and Benzinga's Option Newsletter. Nick, good morning. Wait, he's on mute. Hold on. Nick, check your check your mute button. <laughs> All right, well, Nick will be here when he's here. How about that? In the meantime, let's... Uh, Let's go. I, let's go to the iRobot thing. I looked at that chart. I've forgotten that iRobot got all the way up to one ninety seven. I think that was on that the, was that was Reddit. 
Yeah, that was really that was oh, a high oh, short interest stock. Oh, no. That's what I thought. Anyway, earnings were out this morning, and talk about a growth stock. Uh, that's This is a growth stock, and the earnings uh, <sighs> are what they are. The earnings were good on a year-over-year basis. They gave Doesn't matter. Gave some guidance that was that was fine, but jeez, oh, right. the, the earnings were fine. They Hello. just hey, Nick is here. Yeah, so the um, I'm having one of those week weeks where <laughs> everything in the technology world is revolting against me, including my voice. I've lost my voice. I've done some oh, no. presentations. No, no big deal. Uh, I can still smell stuff, so it's not the COVID. <laughs> I can still smell stuff. Are you sick? Like, what, what is it that you got? I'm not sick. On? I just did too many presentations. I did damn lost my voice. That's it. You lost um, your voice. I spoke too much. That's what I did. I, I do spoke that too much. So I I've been listening to you guys, and I, I've been listening to you guys. And I agree with everything you said, Dennis. Uh, I I know what you're saying about the trading swings and hard. You're become a uh, you're forced to do stuff that you don't want to do and yeah you know, so anyway um last night uh, you know the nasdaq was wobbly it had some it had a down uh, a downtrend during the day and then it went flat a little bit i thought you know a little sneeze could get it another um leg lower so i stayed short the nasdaq overnight so that looks like it was the right thing to do it's been tricky, though. I mean, um, as an, uh, and you're on the other side of it, so maybe the chop doesn't hurt you because you're always writing premium there. So, but what do you think? Like April was a tougher month for me as a trader and an investor. Um, what are your thoughts here as we come into May? Are we going to see more of the same, a lot of chop and slop? Or are we going to start trending in a direction? What are your thoughts on the overall market? I think there are some vulnerable areas that you can pick on. Yesterday, I sent out a short AMD trade, which is a stock I love. And um, I was long into the pop. I got out, not perfect, but uh, high enough that it was a nice trade. And yesterday I said it might be smart to go short AMD, not picking on it. But um, I, I shared before my screen and I said, you know, how it's it's got a huge consolidation zone on top of a stick with holes in it. So that's what I, I there's big um, risk below down to like 65, 62 there's like nothing on the left side holding it up. One little hiccup through no fault of its own, even just a market-wide hiccup can just start a quick trip down there in order to close those holes. Um, and also the banks, I, I, I would say I can short Bank of America. By when I say short, I don't mean outright sell the stock because that's ridiculous after what happened to GME. I, I would never do that anymore. I would do like a uh, $10 wide um, a debit put spread or, uh, you know, a naked put buy on the XLF, for example. Uh, I read a note overnight that apparently there's so much money floating around that the people don't want to borrow anymore. I also read that note. <laughs> yeah. And it was from JP Morgan and it's the gods of banks, you know, so it becomes law. So I wonder how huh. many experts are going to go on CNBC now and toot that horn that uh, too much money. Also, this the week when uh, the Fed spoke last week, was it? Um, I don't know if you caught it. He almost gave us a number. And, you know, he said the frothy thing, Powell. But then somebody asked him, well, how many good reports do you need? Well, he said, well, this is one of and stopped. Can you imagine if he had given us a number? Um, because we're going to get one this week. If we get a hot jobs number, I think the markets will wobble. Well, the market is worried about a number of things, and obviously it's not rewarding You know, a very good earnings season so far. I mean, the majority of companies have beat, and they're going down on this, and that has to be concerning. 
I mean, well, if you're not going to reward the companies like Apple when they're doing a $90 billion buyback, and you're not going to reward Amazon with their huge buyback as well and blowing their numbers away, it, it becomes difficult so, as an investor. I will reduce it even to less noise than this. I agree with what you're saying, but let's take this scenario. The yeah. only thing propping up the market, the only, I, let me rephrase, the only variable in the market, it's not money, it's not good reports, it's not earnings, it's sentiment. That's the only variable. And the sentiment is so tied to what the Fed's doing that if the Fed sneezes, we're going for a ride down and really fast for a really long time. I, I'm not that guy. I don't come here and raise the flags, but I'm telling you, watch uh, the Fed's hands. They gave us a lot of weak points. His entire uh, question and answer uh, session was based on, hey, we have so much unemployment. We still need this. I contend that the unemployment numbers are wrong and we don't have as much unemployment numbers. I'll give you a silly example. My wife was scheduled to go uh, to the airport at 5.30 in the morning. She scheduled Uber two days in advance. They couldn't find a driver for her. So if people were desperate for money, they'd be a driver at 5.30 in the morning. And we don't live out in the boonies either. So we have four freeways right around us. So it's just bizarre. When you say sneeze, you talk about uh, taking rates up or is well, that what you meant by that? Th their hands are going to be tied if we show a million jobs over a million jobs over a million jobs. Because he told us he spent an hour answering questions and everything centered around we need to get the job things done. That's their job without creating inflation. He's telling us there's no inflation. I call bullshit on that. Oh, yeah. There is there is what? Houses and cars have never been more expensive. Lumber has never been more expensive, maybe. But it's super high right now and hard to get. Everything is more expensive. What inflation are they measuring? They're either mojoing the data or their data is broken. Uh, the machine is broken. The machine the is broken. Yeah. So regardless, so he's giving us two variables that are driving his super duper 140 bit. Fed is key. And if these two things are notched where the report comes out as strong as last time, you better be protected. And there are easy ways to be protected using options. Now, first of all, book profits. That's not a shameful thing to do, even if you miss out on upside. Book profits. That's the best insurance you can buy yourself. They can't take that back. Buy a put spread, sell a call spread, buy a put in the stocks you own, sell a call, covered call in the stocks you own. What's wrong with buying a little bit of insurance? If you can't buy insurance at all-time highs, when the heck can you justify buying it? What, yeah. about, what about some of these dividend, you know, higher-paid dividend stocks? Is there, but they're inflated. I said to go buy Exxon and Chevron, even though their businesses were notorious and everybody was talking ESG, they were paying 10% dividend and 7% dividend for Exxon and Chevron, respectively. Now everybody loves them after they rallied to high heaven. Well, yeah. even they won't hold as well, but it's better than nothing. So, yeah, the dividend will give you a little bit of cover, but there's no substitute to not what losing What about AT&T or Verizon or something? I like don't that. like AT&T because... I don't know how they stay in business. I've been their client on several different things, and I hated every one of them, and I couldn't get out of them. But it does pay a good dividend, and they're doing something good with the balance sheet, I think. So, yeah, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I mean, if the markets are falling, AT&T is going to fall too. So why on earth would you not protect the whole portfolio? I tell you what, Dennis, guys, I I get so much pushback. I, I, re I recommend like dozens of trades a week. I recommend one debit put spread in the SPY. I get more questions about that. Well, it's not doing well. Nobody what am I going to do with it? I was like, dude, 
if it's not doing well, that means everything else is doing well. So that's it's doing its job. You don't cancel your insurance because you crash your car. You keep your insurance. So I get more pushback on the one debit put spread I suggest. One guy. People Jesus. don't want to hear anything bearish. And, you know, that's why I take a lot of heat. And Joel does, too. Like, we'll come on and I'm bullish, I'm bearish, I'm bullish, I'm bearish. I flip all the time because I'm a trader. And maybe, you know, my mm-hmm. short-term mentality gets me a lot of times in the longer-term stocks. But, I mean, you've, you've got – there's two directions with the market. It's not always going to be up. And, I mean, we've had this relentless bid forever. Crazy, yep. You know, even on SPY, I mean, if the rotations kept us up, we need a cool off period and you know i'm not saying the end of the world's coming here but there's a lot of things that you know we could still worry about here and i think the market the way it's reacting to the earnings doesn't look healthy it it, it i'm i was worried going into it i've been cautious for a while um and believe it or not we didn't miss out on much upside and the iron condors are working great uh for some reason if you if you set it up to where you're modest with what you're asking iron condors is when you sell uh, a bullish position oh. And you sell a, a bearish position, so you're range bounding the market every week. So Wait, they so, work. So yeah, and Nick, I just pulled this up. So show us. Okay, so these are the four indices. Top left is the SPX, and then on the right is the NDX, and then you've got uh, below it is the RUT and the DIA, the ETF. So if you can find the range that's going to survive for the week, if you can forecast the range for the, for the week, you can sell a put spread, which is a bullish position that requires price to stay above the box, uh, above the line. And if you sell a call spread, that's a bearish position. So you essentially hedge your own bet and uh, you reduce the money at risk because you can't lose on both ends. You lose either up or down and you collect the premium and it comes out to be like 20, 22 uh, 25, 18% yield in like five days, five trading days. So it's worth it. It's not easy. Nothing is easy if it pays 20%. Okay, so this is not easy work, but the tough work is just to pick the range. And the boxes are my ranges every week. And only a couple were busted on the upside, believe it or not, and it was the small caps when we went ballistic. So um, most often they work. So statistically, they are viable trades. If you want to learn them, they're kind of fun. And that's what you can do. Like Dennis said, you're trading every day. This is like pre-trading for a whole week. Uh, Nick, last week, and I think it was on Thursday, uh, we came down pretty hard. And you said, I saw your tweet. And you're like, (laughs) you said, we're we're coming to like a must-hold area. We need what day was that? Day. What day? Last Thursday? So I, I think was it was Thursday. 29th. Yeah. I'm trying to find a candle to see if I was yeah. smart. Of, and uh, I was looking at... Uh, oh, low, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the low for the week was 63.65. We had a 66.75 low, and we had a 68 low. So I was right there with you. I was mm-hmm. right there with you. Because uh, that, that was uh, actually my, my level for the week is right here, too. Now we're what? breaking down. What do you, what would be a re, what, like, let's, what, what would you need for a recovery here? I mean, because if this is just the same scenario that we've had for the past six, eight months, we're going to come down here. The Globex low is going to be the low of the day, and we're going to rally up and we're going to screen on the session. Likely does. Likely likely does. does. Listen, Listen, if sentiment, if I'm right about sentiment, the actions won't be the same. Okay, so because it is the variable, trust me on that one. When I the markets don't need a lot to rally, they need like three things: they need money flow, 
They need uh, uh, for systems not to be broken. Neither of those two are happening. The only other variable is sentiment. And I'm telling you, as soon as sentiment flips, the machines will flip and follow it all the way down. So that Thursday candle you're talking about, that was the pop, right? Uh, candles that pop like this out of nowhere and then give back everything within hours are bad omens. So they have follow through down. Now, yesterday's candle almost bailed them out with the pop high, but they couldn't hold it. So last Friday, when I, Saturday, I recapped the market. I said, the only thing I'm looking for this week is follow through from the mega caps and see what the markets and do. You're not getting it. That's my, yes. So Monday, Tuesday were my important points to see what happens. And we'll see how shaky they get into the Friday um, uh, report. So we get ADP tomorrow, maybe a preview of jobs, but I don't know how well forecasting it is uh, for the NFP. We have jobs Friday, right? So that's the important yep. one to look for. So look for jobs Friday. And if I were you, I would be ready. So there are some things indirectly you can be ready. So if I'm right about the Fed getting wobbly, the dollar is going to go to high heaven because it's been in the toilet for so long. And if the Fed's hands indeed get tied because of super hot jobs number, go back to 2018, February 5th, I think. It was a Friday. We get a hot jobs number. The market crashes for the first time in years. And that was because people said, oh, my God, the Fed's going to start raising rates sooner than later. And um, too hot, too many jobs, wage inflation. All these words came out of nowhere. That's what's going to trip up this market. Mark my words, it's going to be the Fed's hands getting tied because of something that's going to take away talking points from Powell. Well, we'll find out, uh, guys. Even if you don't like the the the, the, bear, the bearish talk, you can't deny that there's logic behind it. Nick Shaheen is the author of Create Income with Option Spreads. I put the link to his newsletter in the chat. It's uh, it's also in the description of this video. So subscribe to that. Nick, always so, a pleasure. Yeah, let me. I appreciate the, the opportunity and the good word. But one thing, I am bearish on the price action. But every chart I have has buy to dip alerts. Okay, yeah. so I'm not like bearish and let's go to zero. Yeah. I'm realistic. I'm bearish and I will buy the dip. We haven't right. broke the buy the dip mentality even on myself. I look at this yeah. thing and the first thing that pops in my head is still buy the dip because it continues yeah. to work. So like I look at this buy down today, I'm like. Well, what sector is going to rotate to bring us right back up? You know, like where is it going to probably be something? So, yep. I mean, it's hard to get bearish the overall market. It's and, it's been yeah. the best place to it's been the safest place to be right now. And there are easy way to short other than the, like going, getting long the dollar. That's shorting markets. Um, yeah, it is shorting the EWG, which is the Germany ETF. The only reason pull up a quarterly chart on it and see the two times it failed before two thousand and eight and uh, 2018 lower high lower high and it's coming into that area too so why not short it with the, the puts they're che- they're like 20 cents <laughs> you know cheap look insurance into- yeah okay later i like cheap insurance e- ewg that's interesting i haven't looked at that one uh, i don't think ever nice call thanks nick all right later all right uh let's go back to irobot for a second and then we'll go to the chat there's a couple questions inside i want to get to but irbt i mentioned it was uh it was a, it was a reddit thing 197 it's down to well closed at 103 but this morning it's now down to 92 uh off their earnings report i don't know i i got a certain point it's not bad i think at 80 i actually might be interested in rebuying this because i sold my irobot before the whole reddit thing never get to participate in those reddit things i sell too <laughs> early because i don't hold on line i've got back to 80 
you know what? It's actually a, a decent value. I think the company is a solid company. I think they, they're coming out with different products. Um, it's, you know, everybody just thinks it's the, the Roomba, but, you know, they got, you know, they got other stuff cooking there too. I like the company. I kind of like the dip. I think it might be early at 92. I just think all this stuff's out of favor and this is a breakdown through 100. So why catch the falling knife? But, you know, maybe, you know, it starts to round at some point in time. It gets more interesting. I'm not jumping in. I, I like it. Maybe put it on the watch list, but I'm not jumping in down 11 bucks today. Not on, not on day one. I got it. We've had it since like the 50s when uh, uh, Bill Santiago. Boy, I'm going to dig Bill up. He hasn't been on in a long time. He liked it. And, uh, have it You're never sold it. Too? Yeah. Hey, like you, 57. This is, this is, you held through that whole Reddit and never yeah. sold it. Yeah. No. No. Joel Loki has like the most diamond of diamond hands that there is. Joel, Joel doesn't know. sell anything. Joel never well, sells really doesn't can. sell. Joel's not no. allowed to sell. The only thing we sold is uh, GameStop last year. And you had to really fight to I sell did. that. You sold at the top. Like Joel's the best. When Joel <laughs> sells something, it's the top. He sold that thing like 350. I, I remember when Joel sold Bitcoin. When was that? Like the December of 2017, right? It was like that was the top, right? <laughs> when Joel sells something, you actually got to turn around and sell it because yeah. Joel is right. <laughs> Joel wants to sell right something. Is a different story than actually Joel selling something. Because if Joel sells something, it means Lisa sold something. So Lisa, <laughs> I sells, don't know. I'm, I'm, she's I'm gonna call it top I two. don't know. She might. Uh, she'll look at all the charts and she'll say. They're all going up. What are you nervous about? You know, that's, that, that's, what, that's, that's just, she'll say, and I, and I told you her statement before the reason she loves her stocks, because when they go up, she makes money. And when they go down, she can buy more. Yeah, so I mean, that's a I investor mean, right there. That's the one. Yeah, I don't approach. know though. I don't know. It seems to I work for her. You guys have been I, all the good ones. I don't know. I saw way too soon, man. I saw everything way too soon. For this one, I don't know. The sellers are done. I robot. Someone, someone's bringing in some stock here. Ninety two twenty, ninety two thirty. They're not chasing it. They're not paying ninety four. So if they get you know filled it, it get all they want at ninety two. Then I just think you know, if you really want to try and catch this thing today on the bottom, you just kind of got to scale in. And uh, I don't know if there's any daily lows. I don't think we're going to eighty today. Uh, so try and find some daily and weekly lows, uh, you know, even I don't even know if we'll dip into the 80s right now. But right now, a little bit of buyer, 9220. All right. John Conrad had asked us about DAC, which is a container ship stock. And they they all went up yesterday. DAC is Detroit Athletic Club. That's what it is, Joel. The DAC. DAC. Yes, it's a container ship play. So all these container ship stocks have been. Uh, you know, whether it's, um, you know, you, you, you can look at yeah the smaller ones, yeah, like, uh, S- like SHIP, you can look at, uh, ESEA maybe, uh, here. I didn't realize DAC was one in there too, but yeah, I guess it is. It's not yeah. a stock I actively trade. It's breaking out. I mean, I own a couple of these things. I got this PANL one, Pangeo Logistics. I also have NAT. Um, they've both actually been pretty good. Oh, you the got PANL an AT? One. I've been in an AT for a little while, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually right around 3.30, so I'm not up hardly anything. And it went up a couple. I've been in this for like six months. I just, I don't know why. I got back I... into it somewhere in there for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Sounds like solid investment advice. <laughs> 
Wait, wait. I got <laughs> talked into it by somebody. But uh, DAC. Let me see. Uh, Detroit Athletic Club. Big candle yesterday. Uh, trading up again. So. You know, you really didn't. That was the first day of the move. I mean, you kind of been moved up, down, up, down. So, sixty-two seventy-six. Let's see what happens there. We're trading sixty-two fifty-five. That's yesterday's high. Uh, big volume yesterday too on that move. So more legs in this one, I think. Uh, look at sixty-one sixty-two. That's close, high close of the move. Like to see it improve on that today. S and P's kind of coming off the bottom here. We uh, made a 57 and a quarter low. I had nothing there. 63.75 right here. That was the low from last week. So we'll see. Get a reset. If you wanted to buy last week's low, here it is. All right. There's so many other things we, we didn't get to. Probably a lot of Pfizer earnings. Widely owned stock. Getting yeah. a nice lift. I own Pfizer long term. Well, give us the numbers. That's your cue. Yeah, I'll give you the numbers. And also, they, they talked about ro- rolling out the vaccine. Uh, so EPS for Pfizer, 93 cents per share last quarter versus 78 cent estimate sales of 14.6 versus $13.6 billion. They're raising their earnings per share guidance for the year uh, and raising their sales guidance for the year as well. Uh, they also said they expect to hear back shortly from the FDA on their application for their vaccine in individuals ages 12 to 15. Uh, and they could roll that out uh, soon, as soon as they get the okay from the FDA on that. Pharma's been dirt cheap. I own them all. They've run a little bit now, though. So you've run in Pfizer. You're up 10% in a month. It's a big month. hard to buy it up here. I'd wait for a dip to buy it, but I still yeah. like it. I own Pfizer. I own Merck. I own AbbVie. I own Bristol-Myers. All of these, Bristol-Myers got hit on the earnings. Merck got hit on the earnings, but they snapped right back. Why? Because they're dirt cheap. You know, I kind of want to own Gilead. I talked about that one. Beautiful. Why don't you just yesterday. buy it? So we, we don't have to hear you I know, say you I should just it. buy it. But it's like, <laughs> it's been the dog of all dogs. Every, every dog has its day, though. And if they are still rolling into value, I think on dips, I think not rips, not buying Gilead after it just ran four bucks. That's like the move from the last two months it just had in two days. If I was long, I'd probably turn around and sell it today. Because it just keeps chopping, you know, chopping around. But you back down to 64, 63. Yeah, it gets interesting again. What do you so. got in uh can you uh can you take a look at the book at Pfizer? Because it got up to oh like 40, 60 something. Yeah, I can look. And now it's back at uh forty fourteen. Probably something at forty. Uh it's probably something at look. forty. And then you gotta worry about forty oh, and a half. My oh no, what do you got for me? We are loaded up. I mean, uh, what's the volume on Pfizer? Two point three million? Yeah. It's gonna take all that volume to open over forty. So you gotta watch just paying over those key critical numbers because you have all this open book, the new NYSC liquidity that's gonna become active at nine thirty. Starting at thirty nine eighty, we'll start at twenty thousand, thirty nine eighty four, thirty thousand, thirty nine eighty five, another ten thousand. 3990 30,000 30, 40.1.1 so that's a big offer it is going to struggle to open over 40 it needs more volume here be to open over 40 just to get through that so again it's all just the math and adding it up and you know this is this is my edge this is what i look at is you know things like this has it done enough volume to take out the 40 probably has but it would have to all be all by volume so it, it's going to struggle to open over 40 if that volume increases and ramps up it might. And, you know, does it take it out at the open? Probably. So does it move up after that? Maybe. But am I paying forty sixteen? No, I probably would try to buy it on the open at 40 Um, But it's coming enough. Where? How high did we get? 
Uh, 40, 40, 60. 65. Yeah, see, that 40, 65. 60 buyer is just an uninformed buyer. That's an easy short. I haven't looked at it. Yeah, um, but that would have been an easy short because the book is just too loaded. So you got to look at those critical levels. The stock hasn't been at 40. As soon as you see that the stock hasn't been up through 40 in six, eight months, you know it's a big level. There's going to be some institutions perched there. And just because they're showing 1.1 million doesn't mean it's only 1.1 million. It could be a lot more for sale there. So 40, you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. People are, are probably Ooh. don't understand. It doesn't make any sense trading 4018. This New York Stock Exchange open book orders that I'm looking at are not active until 930. So these orders are going to hit the market at 930. So then, you know, there's going to be buying pressure. But you probably have, you know, our book, you know, and, and you know, traders that actually use this stuff, shorting the stock of 40, 50, 40, 40, 40, 30, saying it's unlikely to open much over 40. It could open a little bit. It's done enough volume now where I don't know if shorting 40, 15 is advisable because it could, you know, th- chew yep. through all that and maybe open a 40, 10, maybe 40, 15. But if it, if it increased volume like 2 million shares in the next 30 minutes, which it might, then it could open a little bit higher. But right now, it's going to take some big chunk to get through 40. So if I had to guess the open, I'd probably say like 40.05. And I'd probably be a buyer there, actually, for a trade. Uh, yeah, you got to pop up to actually 40.65 and some good volume traded to up there. I don't know what people were thinking. Uh, I don't know if you're at your desk when that happened, Dennis. But, man, a couple hundred I never even brought Pfizer up today. Yeah, oh, you didn't bring it up. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, Spence. Yeah, what do you guys, got? I want to bring on. Uh, we just spent like an hour kind of shitting on growth, but I want to bring on someone who's in the growth game, Jeremy Caprone, director of research, manager partner, Robo Global. And uh, Jeremy, uh, good morning. Thanks for joining. Hi, I'm gonna say, oh, sorry about that. I'm just going to say goodbye. And uh, guys, I'll hang in the chat for a little bit longer if you want to throw uh, some symbols here uh, right. to take a look at. All right, All right. Thanks. talk to you later. Thanks a lot, Joel. All right, Jeremy, uh, you're with Global Global. You've got a number of uh, your three uh, growth uh, indexes and ETFs that track those indexes. Uh, you're in AI, you're in robotics, and you're in healthcare tech. Um, we, Like I said, there's been this rotation, right? Uh, you, growth is coming off an amazing, amazing year. There's been a rotation out of that um, to some extent in, in the past couple of months here. Uh, what is the sentiment that you can read out there as far as the sentiment around your your indexes or, or even the funds that track them as, uh, as far as just overall like investor uh, behavior right now around the, these admittedly very sexy areas of the market that have maybe come off their highs? Yes. Well, look, uh, as much as 2020 was the year of the digitization of the economy, uh, what we're seeing this year is that you know that trend still remains very much in play but in addition to that you've got a very significant cyclical recovery that's happening and so in our world of robotics and ai and automation it's most apparent in the world of factory automation and those are the companies that automate you know manufacturing uh, facilities and its production lines its automotive electronic devices food and beverage and you, you, you name it So those companies were kind of left in the dust last year because of all the disruptions in the supply chains. But right now, you know, the the strongest area in the economy is really around manufacturing and logistics, right? So you have the boom in e-commerce that's driving adoption of uh, logistics and warehouse automation uh, technology. And at the same time, you've got the strongest PMIs, manufacturing PMIs in all key regions of the world, highest readings in 
sometimes decades, like, like, like right here in the U.S. So that's pulling a lot of demand for factory automation equipment. So if you look at the robo ETF, right, last year, all the digitization and work from home uh, plays led the performance. And, and uh, starting around November of last year, we saw those stocks kind of, kind of you know, cool down. But in the meantime, factory automation has taken over and is the new uh, driver of performance for the robo ETF uh, so far. I, I guess that was a question that I was going to ask you is, is you, you look at robo and, you know, and the name is robotics and automation. And you immediately assume, oh, like high growth tech. Uh, but in reality, the, the largest uh, the largest allocation is to manufacturing. So is this in a way is robo specifically, could that be like a, an infrastructure spending play, right? As part of this Biden's spending plan, could, could this be a way to play that maybe? Well, there's definitely exposure to that, but I would tell you, Robo is not your traditional ETF. Uh, it's it's a research-driven selection of uh, the best-in-class robotics automation companies from all around the world. So the big chunk of that is international, but more importantly, uh, you know, the, 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 those companies are not your usual suspects. They are not the high-flying tech stocks that uh, you see all over the, the, the media. A lot of those names are unknown to the average investor. So if you look under the cover, look at what the, the robo is, is made of, it's, it's, it's really you know, about finding the best companies in every area where robotics automation is making a difference. So you've got the technology enablers. Think about the sensing. Think about the compute. Think about the actuation, what makes an auto- autonomous system possible. And then you have a range of different applications of which manufacturing is still the biggest one. But look, robots are moving out of the factory floor and they're coming into uh, warehouses, distribution center. They're coming into hospitals. They're coming into food and ag. They're coming into you know, security and, and the energy sector. So this broad diversification is not a, you know, a, 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 a bet on a handful of tech stocks. There's real diversification. And you mentioned the highest allocation. Remember, uh, the top 10 stocks in the robo ETF account for less than 20% of, of total. So the, there's no concentration. Sure. So it's diversified. I'm wondering, uh, and this isn't just uh, this isn't just unique to robo, but this could apply to any of your three uh, indexes or ETFs. What is the exposure right now to semiconductors and how, how are they affected by this global shortage of chips that we have? Yes, really important point you you raise here because we've all heard how uh, you know some of the auto uh, makers in particular have been uh, struggling to secure supply of uh, chips, and in many cases those are not you know your uh, what we call the higher value chips uh, that you know the, the the semiconductor companies are, are promoting right now. Anything around. Uh, 5G and cloud and AI applications. No, those are the lower value chips that, you know, have uh, a lower priority uh, in in the picking order. So automakers have been struggling with that. But of course, you know, the beneficiaries of this trend is the semiconductor company. So in robo, you have about 10 or 11 percent of the fund that's in the semis. It's uh, you know, companies like NVIDIA that have become the, the de facto standard for the training of uh, AI in uh, data centers. It's companies like Global Unichip, 
over in Taiwan that makes application-specific uh, semiconductors for autonomous systems and, and AI applications. Uh, you'll find microchip is in there also with some solutions at the, at the edge. Uh, and in general, we believe that, you know, that shortage of semiconductors is a, is a positive for the, uh, the robo members overall. It's a net positive. Why? It, Why? Mm -hmm. Why? Well, again, because, you know, if there is a, a higher demand than supply, generally, that's very good for pricing. And pricing is critical to margins in the semiconductor business. Yeah, but isn't that going to, like, have ramifications for supply chains and the actual like development and production of these products that you that that are in your index right so as i said you know what the semiconductor companies are doing is that they're prioritizing production of the higher value chips and what are those they are the ones that go into cloud into ai into 5g and the likes they are not the ones that go into you know the simpler applications typically around automotive and that's why you know just last week jeep announced that they had to shut down production there so if jeep shuts down production is it good for the other automation companies you know those supplying automation technologies to jeep and other automakers well in a sense uh, not so much because you know jeep is not producing as much as they would like but jeep is still planning out you know their capital expansion plan and their um, in technology investment plans over multi-year periods. And so they're still buying the automation equipment. So net-net, you know, big positive for semiconductor companies and relatively neutral for the factory automation equipment providers. Uh, I want to ask you about, uh, you know, we talked about Robo. Uh, what about uh, HTEC, which is your, your healthcare technology uh, and, and innovation index, and HTEC, I had up on the screen, is, is, is the symbol there. Uh, is, there a, is there a company or two or, or a segment of that that you find most intriguing right now? Because there is a lot of overlap between that and Robo. Yes, there is a, a little over 10% overlap between uh, Robo and HTEC. And, and HTEC really is um, the result of our research work that led us to realize that healthcare is the next big economic sector that's going to be profoundly transformed by those digital technologies. And so if you think about how robots and AI impacting uh, other sectors, right, it was manufacturing first, and then the sweet spot kind of migrated towards logistics, warehouse automation on the back of the boom in e-commerce. Right now, it's really healthcare that's at this uh, inflection point. So think about it. We have thousands of uh, surgical robots now uh, around the world's hospitals. We have uh, AI that can help physicians increase the accuracy of their uh, diagnosis when they're reading medical imagery and uh, biopsy results. Uh, we have uh, things like miniature heart pumps that can be inserted through the femoral heart artery. Uh, we're looking at things like uh, remote monitoring devices, like wearable devices, uh, continuous glucose monitoring or cardiac monitoring. Uh, and I like to say, most importantly, now we have the genomics revolution. You know, we have affordable gene sequencing, and that's opening up opportunities around early detection of uh, major diseases, chronic diseases, cancer in particular. So, you have the uh, genomic-based cancer testing space that's booming. And then you, it also opens uh, the possibility of custom treatments, individualized treatments, as opposed to the current 
business model of the pharmaceutical industry, which is, you know, one fits all drug development. And that's very difficult. So all these areas are covered within HTEC. We're looking at nine different sectors. Um, and I mentioned a few of them right now. I'd say the hottest, clearly, uh, you know, over the past years have been telemedicine uh, as a result of the pandemic, you know, quadrupling of volumes uh, across telehealth platforms, digital health, the ability to leverage patient data or clinical trial data or drug data, derive insights and create new business models. So that's the digital health side of it's been very strong and genomics of course because we've had some very promising results from uh, you know the crispr companies in particular the first human patient dosing with a crispr uh for the sickle cell disease or, and also beta thalassemia the preliminary results have been relatively good so you know crispr stocks have been on fire now they're pulling back this year but huge performance last year and then telemedicine similar you know, dynamics in terms of market prices, uh, stock prices, right? Very strong run in 2020 and now kind of consolidating here. And in the meantime, what we're seeing is that, again, you know, that rotation into the more, um, I'd say, the, the damaged areas of the economy in 2020, those that are coming back stronger this year and in the world of healthcare, it's typically anything related to, uh, elective surgeries, elective procedures that have been delayed to make room for COVID patients in hospitals. Those are coming back. So you find the medical instrument, surgical instrument uh, providers, and, 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 and these types of companies are, are coming strong in terms of uh, stock performance this year. Uh, Jeremy, I look at your three ETFs, you know, whether it's Robo, whether it's HTEC, or whether it's THNQ, and you know, as I said, they're all they all look pretty correlated. There's some overlap there. When you talk to advisors or investors or advisors or allocators or, or whomever, uh, how how are they using these? Are are they like are they owning one? Are they rotating between the three? Do they are they owning multiple? I mean. Uh, you seem to get some overlap there. So, like, how how do you see people using these in their portfolio? Yes, again, the overlap between Robo and HTEC is around ten percent, and right. similarly between Robo and AI. And those are the areas, you know, in the case of AI, for example, you'll find that uh, the AI compute companies are part of Robo, but the AI fund, the THNQ is much broader because it includes not only the makers of the AI tech and infrastructure, but also the companies that leverage AI into their business model for, uh, you know, promising applications. So there's more breadth. But in terms of how, you know, what, what what's in the fund, you'll find that as much as Robo is very diversified, uh, THNQ, the AI ETF, is uh, much more of a tech fund. It's got more software, more semis. So it you know, very different animals. And then the healthcare tech fund is mostly healthcare uh, gig sector, but with a very strong layer of uh, software and, 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 and hardware tech. Uh, so how do people use that? Well, we find that uh, typically uh, financial advisors that will, will, will be looking to increase the alpha uh, potential in a, in a client portfolio. So they'll be swapping some of their more traditional, either global equity exposure for robo, or some of them will look at swapping some of their tech exposure for robo, like a triple Q. 
but it's mostly global equities, just given the nature of the portfolio, because 55% of robo is international. You know, and similarly, uh, robo is more than 50% small and mid caps. So when you think about where that fits in your asset allocation, again, I think it's it's a it's it's part of your your global equities allocation. And I think very clearly when we started that, um, you know, seven eight years ago, uh, thematic funds uh, was an, an, a nascent thing, and we've gone a long way. And uh, financial advisors today understand how they can use their tools. Typically, you know, a core exposure that will be like your uh, low-cost beta exposure to the, the broad equity markets. And, and to that, you, you have a, a more of a core and satellite approach. And in, in your satellites, you can use um, the, you know, products like a, like a Robo or an HTEC or a Think. All right, Jeremy Capron is Director of Research Managing Director at Robo Global, joining us here on Pre-Market Prep. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. Uh, have a good one. Thank you, Spencer. Bye. All right. Uh, it is 9.18. Guys, it's going to be a wrap for our show today. Here is the programming schedule for the day here on Benzinga YouTube. It's up on the screen right now. Uh, live trading with David Green coming up next. That'll be at 9. It says 9.30. It'll be at 9.25. Uh, SPACs attack at 11. We're doing a special show today, a special power hour uh, from noon to 2. Uh, I will be your host. I know. I know. Crossover. I'll be your host. We're talking to six companies that trade on OTC markets. Uh, so we're going to do a special uh, edition of that show that'll be from two uh, from noon to two today. Um, we're talking to uh, some blockchain companies. Um, talking to um, trying to think of blanket on names now. Energy. I don't remember. You'll have to tune in. You have to tune in some tech companies. You have to tune in uh, to Power Hour at noon for our OTC market special. Uh, Biotech Buzz is back today at 2.30. They have to close show, 3 o'clock. Uh, Cannabis Insider, 4.30. Trend Spider with Jake Wujastic at 5. Money Mitch at 6. Trading Nomadic at 7. Royale Report moved uh, today at 8 o'clock. So that is our programming schedule for today here on Benzinga YouTube. If you haven't already, please go ahead and hit that like button. Let's let's do a, a quick like check. See where we're at for the day. Oh, 442. Get me to 600, please, before I'm done here. Uh, what else did I want to say? Subscribe. Guys, oh, by the way, uh, you can get notified whenever we go live by just hitting the subscribe button to Benzinga or Benzinga Clips, which is our highlights channel. Check that out. Um, if you want a free two-week trial of Benzinga Pro, Go to pro.benzinga.com. The link is up there on the bottom of the screen right now. Pro.benzinga.com. If you want more than a trial, you want a discount, enter the code YouTube20. It'll get you 20% off of a subscription. If you know people that want to subscribe or that would want to subscribe to Benzinga Pro, you want to become an affiliate, you get paid for sending us subscribers. The link is up on the screen right now. Benzinga.partnerstack.com. Dot com, it'll get you a 30% cut of any subscription you send our way. So that's going to be a wrap for me. Thanks to our guests, Jeremy Caprone and Nick Shaheen. Please, like I said, hit that like button. That helps us so much. You don't even know it. I don't, I don't quite understand how the YouTube algorithm works, but I know it, I know it, uh, it, it likes the likes. I, I know that much. 
So, okay. I know we didn't get to all your questions. Joel's been in the chat answering a few. We will cover more of them on the At The Close show and throughout the day. I promise. That's right, Candyman. Folks are cheap on the likes. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, David Green is going to be live training the Open coming up next. This stream is going to redirect straight to that, so you don't have to do anything. Uh, we're going to start here in a couple minutes and just tune in to watch David Green trade and talk through his trades, and that'll be going for about an hour. So that's going to be, be a wrap. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. That's it for pre-market prep. Everyone, good luck at the open. I will see you on the next stream for live trading with David Green. And hit the like. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.